Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of the Blues Day Recap, December 2023 edition. Got to get to the rest of the uh, sports that we got to get on this platform called the Bleed Blue Show. And we're going to start off with the Major League Baseball. And uh, over this past week in Nashville, Tennessee, with the winter meetings taking place, and then just pretty much yesterday, with the uh, big contract everybody was expecting and waiting for, Shohei Otani signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers, huh? 10 years, $700 million. You know he was going to get Powerball numbers. In my opinion, probably the greatest baseball player i ever seen play. Well, you know, as far as watching it on TV and all that, I still got to see him in person. I got to make that happen. But he is everything box office when it comes to pitching and hitting uh, on a major league baseball level. And you know there's only pretty much two teams that could really get that deal done. One being the Los Angeles Dodgers, obviously, still staying in the L.A. market, just moving up I-5 from Anaheim to L.A. to Chavez Ravine to play baseball games for the Dodgers. And they're going to be stacked. The Dodgers, as of right now, would not surprise me if they weren't a National League favorite to come out of uh, the NL. Uh, they play in the World Series this upcoming season. You know, they've been around. They even got one World Series championship out of this. But he, Sohei Itani, needed to be on a team with great baseball players. You added with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. Uh, this team is stacked. J.D. Uh, uh, JD uh, Martinez. The, Mar- uh, the, uh, the L.A. Dodgers are, are loaded. Uh, 10 years, $700 million, Worth every penny, I believe. You got a guy who could pitch almost at an all-star level pitching-wise and hitting-wise is one of the best sluggers in baseball, all in one player. Uh, and you have the opportunity to raise tickets uh, at the gate, and people will pay top dollar to watch them. You're going to have nice battles in the NL West with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who went to the World Series, uh, and, and the San Diego Padres, who be- have become a nice rival down uh, I-5. Against the Dodgers, even though, and I'll, and I'll talk about that in a second, uh, with the Soto trade with the Yanks. But the L.A. Dodgers should be the perennial favorite with them in the Atlanta Braves, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, let's see what kind of scrappy Arizona Diamondbacks team comes out of the gate and also the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, San Francisco is kind of you know spotty, but as far as the L.A. Dodgers perspective, man, I mean... How can you not be excited for if you're a Dodgers fan? You you have to be thoroughly in, enthusiastic with that type of deal, man. So congratulations to Shohei Otani on on a record a record contract and, and well deserved. Um, you know the World Baseball Classic. I mean, if he hasn't convinced you at that point, I don't know what will, man. So as of right now, the, the Otani uh, signing is probably the it's probably the biggest news. It overlapped this past week what was the big trade between the Yankees and the San Diego Padres, where Juan Soto, one of the greatest hitters of this era, is coming coming back east after being traded from the Nationals to the Padres just a, what, a season ago. Now he's going to put on the pinstripes. He was in, in the trade with also teammate uh, Trent Grant Grisham and traded to the Yankees, and the Yankees uh, send – out to San Diego, Michael King, very good relief pitcher. Going to miss him. Uh, Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito, 
a good pitcher. He pretty much a decent pitcher. Drew Thorpe, uh, Higashaka, a backup catcher. So San Diego gets pieces to round out on the uh, the Soto trade. Uh, the Yankees need a lot of things. Um, it wasn't just hitting, but they they definitely improved that with the middle of their lineup. Uh, having Aaron Judge and whenever you could get Stanton in there to bat, you know, whenever he's in or out of uh, uh, of the lineup with injuries and shit like that. And then the Yankees a few days before that got Verdugo with a really a, a trade within the division with the with the Red Sox of all teams. And that normally doesn't really happen, but the Yankees adding pieces during his winter break at the winter meetings in Nashville. Uh, but Yankees need a whole lot more than just soda. But so that's a start, though, because the Yankees need um, better situational hitting. And he's a fantastic situational hitter. I mean, Juan Soto. Uh, but they need everything, man. I mean, they need relief pitching, situational hitting on top of that, more situational hitting on top of that. Uh, you round out the outfield with, with when it comes to the Yankees with Judge and, and Soto. So, yeah. Yeah, so other... Uh, moves around the Major League Baseball with the Astros. I believe the Mets. Oh, I know, and, and I know the Mets were in, in some deals and stuff like that. But the big, the big two was really old time, up until this point, and probably no, it's not going to be bigger than those two that I could think of. Um, Sh- Shohei Otani to the Dodgers, and then also Juan Soto to the Yankees. So that that's kind of really it for that with the. Major League Baseball, but uh, moving on, uh, congratulations to the Columbus crew getting their third MLS Cup, winning the championship on a rainy night Saturday against the defending champs, the LAFC. Um, and first, like before we even get to that game, the, the championship game in Columbus at Lower.com Field Saturday night in the rain, we have to go back to the game before that in the Eastern Conference Finals. The hell is real. Uh, a rivalry between interstate uh, I-71 rivals the in the top seed FC Cincinnati versus Columbus in a game that was probably one of the great, the great comebacks in MLS history. Uh, FC Cincinnati, the overwhelmingly favorite team to win it all this year, probably the biggest collapses in in American sports. Uh, if you want to look at one game situations, f- odds and stuff like that, having a lead up to nothing in that game, uh, they were on their way. They had previous game. They beat the Philadelphia Union to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and, and they f- they um it's crazy. Uh, up to nothing. They had the Brandon Vasquez first goal at the 14th minute, early on striking early, going up one nothing. And then there was a wall kick by the MVP of the league, Luciano Acosta, to make it 2 nothing at the 45th minute, right at halftime, uh, to go up 2 nothing, And, they, and they, were, they were really on their way, man, to going to the finals, hosting it on their home field at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. But the Columbus crew, the rival, uh, the interstate rival, is one of the underrated rivals in sports now especially them being in the same state, cut the lead to two to one at the 75th minute. It was a goal by uh, Alvis Elvis Powell. It was a beautiful goal uh, on the transition of the right side past midfield. uh, And then up the right side, scoring on that goal to make it two to one. And then pretty much 10, 11 minutes later, 
Columbus ties the game at two to two with Diego Rossi, uh, with a beautiful pass that cleared the middle and it was a great interior passing in the middle with all the players staying onside and a stunning goal that tied up two to two right before the end of regulation and, and it, it really shot the crowd, it shot me, it shot everybody. Uh, the way things were controlled in that game for the for the majority of. I don't know, 80 minutes. And, and and here's the crazy thing about that game where Cincinnati could have went up 3 nothing. It was a hell of a save uh, at the 50th minute to keep the game still at 2 nothing. Great save by Columbus at the 50th minute. They could have been down 3 nothing, But Columbus dominated their, uh, the OT. They dominated with the possessions and the scoring chance opportunities. And... They ended up winning in the 115th minute, and they kept on the pressure. It's like FC Cincinnati was just out of gas, or or the or Columbus was just playing with so much confidence that that Christian Ramirez goal at the end. It, it was very great. It was a great setup by Molinos, uh, the, the the striker for the Columbus Crew, who found at the back post. He hit. Um, he got uh, hit with the back post with a pass. To uh, Cucho, uh, and the Cucho unselfishly hit a wide open Christian Ramirez who had an open net because the goalkeeper came over to Cucho. Great sequence, stayed on side, stunningly took the goal and took the lead and ended up winning uh, on there on the whole field. Because I remember I was at the game earlier this year when it was FC Cincinnati and Columbus in the regular season back in May at TQL. But wow, what a what a upset! If you was to ask me, man, uh, I then you know LAFC, you know coming back in the ranks in the Western Conference, they um, beat Vancouver, the Whitecaps, in a pair of games, and they ended up beating Seattle, uh, and then in the Western Conference Finals, two nothing win over the Houston Dynamo to set up the MLS Cup between Columbus and the LAFC. Columbus wins two to one. They went up two nothing starting at the thirty third minute. Uh, with the Juan Hernandez penalty kick goal at the 33rd minute. And then Yaw Yuboa hit the uh, another goal four minutes later, make it 2 nothing. L.A. did get a goal later in the second half, but it was a little too late. MLS wins their third MLS Cup. And then the probable cup, because I've been asking uh, stakeholders, I've been asking fans, are you going to be able to take FC Cincinnati or the field? That was pretty much the question since May. And... Overwhelmingly, most people did pick FC Cincinnati the way they've been rolling, but they ended up, you have to pick the field. Sometimes you never know. This is why you play sports and you end up um, seeing how things play out and Columbus stealing that game at TQL in Cincinnati in the Eastern Conference Finals. To me, that was the big game to show that um, uh, that you that's why you can never take the regular season for granted. It helps you get to a certain point. And even when you're down and out, it's still down two nothing in that game. They fall back with excellent goals and transition. And FC Cincinnati got caught slipping, man. Just terrible. What a way to go out, man. I had to put this in the MLS Cup because this, and as far as American sports, it has to be put in a conversation of one of the greatest upsets I've seen and definitely in the 21st century. It's going to be up there you know, with the major team sports, and a lot of people don't really follow soccer like that. So this is the kind of reason why we have the, the recap to emphasize on what's happening with soccer. It's the biggest sport in the, 
in the in the world growing sport in this country especially now with the 2026 world cup and and facilities being built and new stadiums being built and new owners are changing hands in mls and especially after the first season of the apple tv uh, deal with mls i thought was pretty good if you're you know i'm not even an apple guy and i have it to watch it and i thought it was a great platform as even as an android guy per se right (laughs) so what a what a way for columbus to win the, the the championship in the rainy night in Columbus, Ohio, over the LAFC Gal—not uh, even the Galaxy, but LAFC—the defending champs from the previous season—and we got to talk about it, right? We got to talk about what is no longer the case when it comes to top seeds in college football. It's been a week, and the, the great debate is still being had to this day on social media, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Other social media platforms, the great debate, man, was Florida State robbed or was Justice Prevail having the best teams or the top four teams uh, in the playoff picture uh, for the FBS, right? So in college football, the way I look at it, this is, I, I, I honestly believe whether Jordan Travis did not play the last couple of games and they got by Louisville in the ACC championship, if you're going to consider the ACC, a power five conference, and they played their schedule. They did what they needed to do, whether they smoked teams or not smoked teams. They were undefeated. They never lost. They held rank on what the schedule was. You had to put them in. Now, it's crazy because to me, it seems like it's been either 50-50 or maybe close to 60-40 going towards the top four teams. But I think that's a mistake of doing it that way because if you're going to, like I said, if you, there's two, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, if, if, if the ACC is going to be considered a power conference, a power, a top five power conference, you have to put them in based on getting their, going through their regular season, whether their conference was strong as the others or not. That's not the point. The point is they played the schedule. They won out undefeated with or without their quarterback. And it's an excellent Florida state defense uh, to get to the point where they are. And, and you, you, decide not to put them in because you're watching the other games and and you give the two one loss teams an edge because they played uh you know not I would say considerably great greater teams in the Big 12 or the SEC cuz I think a lot of people look at the SEC as the big bad SEC of the last out of the previous 6 7 years where they were more dominant there were some good teams this year but they weren't like lights out this year like everybody think it was you know so you know you had some okay teams like missouri you had some okay tennessee was on and off shaky not as good as they were last year georgia was still georgia if anybody should be complaining it should be the georgia bulldogs right and the se was sec west i mean Ole miss had potential um lsu was okay but then it was Alabama. Like, Alabama, to me, didn't really have much competition. They barely beat Auburn, but they beat Auburn, so you got to give them credit. But Florida State got through their schedule undefeated. Now, the Texas situation is really unique because if you're going to put Alabama in, obviously you got to put Texas in, who went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, so that makes sense, right? But the, the, the great news of all of this, we all know they're going to move into an expanded format. So Florida State would have made it in an expanded format, as well as the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, if the eye test was really, if you, if you really want to look at it from a perspective of who 
the eye test throughout the regular season who were who was better to me it was georgia and michigan obviously right these are the top two teams in the country michigan had a weak schedule they just had to beat ohio state to get in and and that's and they did what they needed to do georgia needed to do the same thing they couldn't beat alabama in an sec championship so um yeah i was really kind of disgusted the way the committee played it last week florida state should have been in there but you know they're gonna dick ride uh, they're gonna, you know, ride the jock of the SEC, and you know they had a little bias because SEC has won a lot of championships between Alabama and Georgia, so they're gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. But thank goodness that fucking format is done. Um, we're gonna move on to an expanded format, and yeah, if you're a Florida State alumni fan or booster coach or student at that university and university in, in, in Tallahassee, you should be fucking upset. You should be irate. Matter of fact, I would I would listen, if you were Florida State and you chose not to play Georgia in the bowl game, I wouldn't blame you. I would not I would even play it. Fuck it. Why not? Like like yo, you gonna screw us? We played our you know our schedule and before the season, you should have told us, like, hey, man, this is the argument I'm looking at. If you're the committee and you see Florida State schedule, and they say, hey, man, you know, there could be a situation where you go undefeated. And if you go undefeated, we still may not put you in. If they would have said that shit in August, right before the season, I would have had no problem with the decision. But they didn't do that. So uh, Florida State screwed out of the football playoff picture. You already know how this thing works. So even a lot of players on Georgia's side who lost in the SEC championship, they're probably not, who are going to go to the NFL, probably not going to play in that game. They're just not going to risk the injury. It's not worth it, right? Because what if you go down with an Achilles or ACL or something like that? It's not worth, um, it's not worth it. It's not worth playing in a, in a, a meaningless game. It's, it is a bowl game, but it's a meaningless game because Georgia plays for national championships as well as the Florida State Seminoles. It's just a bad break, man. Just a bad break. Yeah, so for the Heisman Trophy, we see that uh, Jaden Daniels LSU transfer from Arizona State wins it um, over Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who were the other finalists. And uh, I think the Heisman Trophy uh, award ceremony has lost its luster for different factors over the years, and, and, and uh, it used to be the most prestigious. It probably still is the most prestigious college football award uh, you can win. It's probably the most important position. Usually the quarterback wins. Usually. I mean, there's been times, of course, non-quarterbacks have won the award. But for the most part, it's a a predominantly uh, quarterback won award. And Janet Daniels, uh, and in in this case, I think uh, not that he does not deserve it but it's just the fact of the college football landscape it's become a stat pad fest um Jaden Daniels didn't even win his division and this is nothing against Jaden Daniels this is more about where the award has gone where a guy like Michael Penix Jr. or even Bo Nix both guys in the Pac-12 uh a conference that is going away but They've competed and competed well. So there was no way Bo Nix was going to beat out Michael Penix Jr. when you lose to him twice, one in a regular season and one in, a, in a, the conference championship. But uh, Pac-12 not getting the love or respect that they deserved. That was the best conference this year. But in the case of Jenny Daniels, he didn't even win the SEC West. They When they played Alabama, um, 
they didn't win. They, I mean, uh, yeah, I get it. The defense of LSU gave up 42 points. I, I understand that. But um, the point is, usually Heisman Trophy quarterbacks who do have uh, outstanding statistics have shown their ability to win big games. And Jaden Daniels, I mean, I know he did that when he won one big game versus uh, Missouri uh, on the road when he came back and won that game. I talked about that on one of the All Football with the Zoo shows earlier in the year. But outside of that, they didn't beat Alabama. And then even in the first game, um, Jordan Travis outplayed him in that game. Even So LSU, to me, wasn't necessarily a national threat this season. And, you know, Jaden Daniels, kudos to him, that you know, stat padding and doing what he needed to do. I know his defense stinks, but the point is the, the Heisman Trophy is not what it once was. Because to me, you had to, like, get the statistics and win the big games. And Jaden Daniels didn't win big games. So uh, only one game he won that was big that I could think of was the Missouri game. Outside of that, uh, the other games on the t- table, first game of the year versus Florida State, uh, the Alabama game especially. You know, if you really won that game then, and, and came out of the SEC West to play in the SEC championship, then he would have been definitely been a clear-cut winner for me. I just think Michael in bigger games, Michael Penix Jr. performed well to outwin or or to win uh, the Heisman to me. But this, again, I'm not really the awards type of guy anyway because I know there's a lot of bullshit in it, a lot of politics goes into it. I've I've been kind of the anti-awards, who won MVPs, all-star votes. Like, I mean, I understand it means something to the players because of their contracts and how they get valued for future businesses. And so I got to have to understand that part. But at the end of the day, I really don't necessarily care because I'm more team... Anyway, pro team than pro pro individual, uh, whatever he needs to be doing, doing as far as uh, his own career. So um, yeah, but nonetheless, Jaden Daniels, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, on to the boxing, real quick before I get to the other sports. On to the boxing. Uh, Devin Haney with a dominant win uh, uh, in San Francisco last night. Dominant win. Um, so the question about him and who should he fight next, uh, and you know, the state of boxing, you already know. Like, well, first of all, number one, the Amazon Prime video deal, no surprise with PBC, no surprise as far as inking the deal for streaming. And this is where sports is going. This is the reason why I've always been honing in on the Amazon Prime with the Thursday night football deal the last two seasons with the NFL, also with the Apple TV with MLS soccer. This is where sports is going. I don't be surprised when you see. Live sports with Netflix in the future is going to pick up and they'll get additional subscriptions because of that. Which sport? I don't know. Um, T-Mobile with Major League Baseball. Uh, it didn't just your little, you know, not a little, but your regional apps, you know, your regional networks going to the streaming avenue. I mean, that's where technology has been going. So, um, you know, boxing after... HBO years ago left, and then also Showtime more recently left boxing. Now it's going to uh, where everybody is. Everybody has an Amazon Prime account and is going to a streaming format. And and as far as Devin Haney, who should he fight? Like TFMO Lopez or or if he should fight like Javante Davis or go up in 147, go with the big dogs like Terrence Crawford. I, I think you should stay away from 147, but as far as the skill set, where he's currently is after he beat Lomachenko in a previous fight. I, you know, 
he's a he's an excellent shape, excellent boxer. But it doesn't it doesn't it's not promoted like it needs to be because I think boxing is still a skill sport uh, and it has a lot of value in this country. Although a lot of people may not see the value because you know at the end of the day it's all about um, who watches and who doesn't. But uh, he should um, he should definitely be. Uh, in the conversation of a skilled fighter that people should see if you're interested in the combat sport. So congratulations on Devin Haney winning this fight. Uh, I, I, I think um, he's going to be a, definitely be a tough out because of his offense, leading with his foot feet, always staying to his left versus softball opponents. Is it, the, guy, the guy's a very skilled boxer, man. And then, um, you know, the great debate with him versus Lomachenko earlier this year, uh, uh, who won that fight. So yeah, so uh, uh, Devin Haney wins uh, on 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 a loaded sports weekend. Uh, let's see NBA in season tournament, y'all. Listen, the Lakers win it. Um, LeBron is and Anthony Davis, especially uh, the way they played in the games versus the Pelicans leading up the semifinal game uh, on Thursday, and then also the championship game versus the Pacers. They d- LeBron played that game as if. He needed to be considered the GOAT in NBA history. Now, if you're dealing with baby boomer, Gen X fans, millennial fans, higher, uh, older millennial fans, it's always going to be Jordan. You're not going to change their mind on Michael Jordan for the most part. The younger generation, the younger millennials, the Gen Zs, these are the LeBronites. Uh, these are the people who saw LeBron start off his uh NBA career with the Sacramento against the Sacramento kids when he was a Cavalier from day one. I mean, that's all they know when they saw it live. They never seen how the impact of you know Jordan was back in the eighties and the nineties. Uh, if you even go before that, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, you know those type of dominant players. But LeBron played his ass off. I ain't gonna lie. Like to be honest, like he, him, and AD, AD especially. On top of that, I mean, it's twofold. It was 1A, 1B, but LeBron was in intact mode. Uh, he played his rear end off versus a, a Pacers team who needed, I wouldn't say they needed, but it put the showcase on them. And I think that's what I, one of the factors I love about the NBA in-season tournament is it put a spotlight on the middle market or lower market teams like the Indiana Pacers who do have a nice roster. They did fantastic beating the Boston Celtics to get to that point. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Halliburton had a huge run in that. Uh, a lot of points, a lot of assists, no turnovers. But they ran out of gas versus a hungry LA, LA Laker team that had the uh, bubble season type championship energy to it. Uh, co- uh, other components with them with Walston Reeves and Kim uh, Reddish and D'Angelo Russell. Oh, they, they oh they played their asses off, man, and they they did they definitely did deserve it or earn it. And um, LeBron played his ass off. So the whole final thoughts about the uh, NBA in season tournament. I personally loved it. I loved it from the jump. I loved the idea. It got me to watch even more NBA games, especially when you saw that design on the court. You knew it was a somewhat of a game of importance that had more value than NBA regular season value. The older generation fans mostly don't like it, and I could understand it. They're you know they like the old format of playing eighty two games and then you know go into the playoffs with eight teams, but I had no issues with it so uh congratulations to the Lakers, I guess you could say um uh, I think you know it's gonna grow on people more and then the incentive to win more money 
not just for the players, but your roster and your coaches and assistant coaches. I think it, I, I love it, man. And it's a format that soccer has done in respective leagues around the world. And that's why I, the commissioner, Adam Silver, went in that direction. Then I guess you could say on the um, NHL tip, uh, real quick, uh, hockey. The Boston Bruins are still atop the East. The, the Rangers have kind of been back and forth. You hear uh, our conversations week in and week out on Tuesdays about the blue shirts. But looking at the rest of the league, um, what's really surprising is the Philadelphia Flyers in second place in the uh, as of right now in the Metro Division behind the Rangers. Like a lot of the teams, I saw the Carolina struggle on the road, especially when they went out west. Um, uh, but yeah, Philadelphia, uh, New Jersey, especially the Devils, they. Um, they really took a step back, and and it was it's really hard to say because they, on paper, their roster is better. They definitely got better. I thought I thought they're really going to take a next step to go towards a a Stanley Cup uh, a contention uh, top of the East. I mean, it's still a lot of season left, but but in the East, the Boston Bruins are step, definitely um, doing their thing. A little so listen, man. We always have these talks about the Maple Leafs, and we'll have more in depth talk about them when we play them in the post game versus the Rangers on Tuesday, but. But the the the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs somewhat of a disappointment. I I had them winning the division, and Boston, despite uh, Pierre Bergeron retirement, um, no Brad Marchand, and they still doing their thing uh, at the top of the uh, Atlantic. That's that's pretty good. And out west is kind of kind of how I expect it to be. Colorado, Dallas leading the Central, Vegas, the defending champs leading the Pacific, and. Um, uh, a team like the the Kings up, you know, in second place, and Edmonton's in the back of the pad. They got Connor McDavid off an of injury a little bit late, so the West is no surprise. It's really in the East. The Philadelphia Flyers who've been playing good hockey, Travis Konecki, uh, and their and their cast uh, winning a lot of good games. They're beating their interstate rival, the Pittsburgh Penguins, multiple times up until this point this season, where it's been a struggle for them. So kudos to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Last p- point on the NFL, you know. Uh, the Dallas Philadelphia game, big rivalry in the NFC East. Uh, if you've watched the, the Sunday Night Football from last week, uh, where Kansas City lost to the Green Bay Packers, you know, uh, Chris and the gang, the stakeholders are going to do the um, post game uh, versus the Packers on Monday Night Football. Where there's another Monday Night Football on top of that with the Titans and the Dolphins, two Monday Night games, one on ABC and one on NBC. Uh, you know, the Chief, your annual Chief Bills game, of course. But uh, you know, the NFL's been all right this year. You know, I, you know, the fantasy football's been buzzing and the gambling and all that. They, they they do what they do, right? You know, in the NFL, you know, with the the games going to London and then also you know Germany and Mexico City. Uh, you know, I think it's already at a decent place. Um, as far as football, as or teams that uh, you know, the Green Bay's been really putting it on. Detroit has had a phenomenal season in the NFC. Um, I'm trying to look at. It. Oh yeah, the four. Oh, let, let's. Let me, I gotta touch on this real quick. The 49ers, like I said, in August, when fully healthy, when the they are the best roster in the, in, the, in the entire NFL, top to bottom. But you know they have they have a lot of injury prone players, so it's kind of hard to say. But that dominant win in Philadelphia it shows a lot. Exactly why I say what I say as far as the Niners big win last week. In Philadelphia versus the Eagles, uh, and the Eagles have been playing the best football. I, although I think the roster 
better last year, but they beat a lot of good teams. They went to Philadelphia. I mean, went to uh, Kansas City on Monday night, beat them, and then also the beating the Bills, coming back in that game and winning in overtime in the AFC. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, you know, probably the top of the class out there. But that, that team, that conference was banking on Aaron Rodgers being a New York Jet for the majority majority of the season, and and, and unfortunately with the Achilles uh, that he sustained in the uh, Week One versus the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football, they were on a lot of playing time games, and they and they were stuck with that shit because of the injury. So it, it should have been a lot with. Uh, Kansas City and the Jets in the mix of the conversation. Miami has played very good football. You know, smoky teams earlier. Denver was on a winning streak. They, after getting uh, giving up 70 points uh, to the Dolphins, they actually turned around winning and stringing a lot of games in a row until their uh, recent loss. Uh, Cleveland, without, you know, losing multiple quarterbacks. Uh, Pittsburgh going through their quarterback shuffle with Kenny Pickett or Mason uh, uh, uh What's his name? What's the, what's the quarterback's name? Uh, Rudolph. That's what's the name. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they have their issues. The Pittsburgh's a show. They've always been a show of themselves. And then Cincinnati, even though beating the Jaguars uh, last Monday night, no Joe Burrow. Um, you know, Baltimore's always a wild card, but until they actually prove it with this crop of roster, uh, I, I got to believe it to see it. Chargers are overrated in the AVC. they always been kind of overrated the last two seasons. Uh, but yeah, uh, in the East, the NFC has the dominant teams. They have the best, probably the best quarterback in the AFC and Patrick Mahomes. No new news there. As long as you have that, you, you should be fine. So that's the Blues Day recap. Hope you enjoyed the addition of uh, episodes coming up this week. Check it out. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitch and all that good stuff. All that stuff, man. College football, MLS, hockey, NBA, Major League Baseball. Just a, just a summary level of my thoughts and opinions of what's been happening over the last couple of weeks, man. Sangre de ladies and gentlemen, Bleed Blue.